0: What'd you get? I asked Matt and Kyle as they exited the supermarket. I was leaning against a payphone. Did he answer, asked Kyle. No, I said. We got bananas and bread, and peanut butter. Kyle cupped a slice of bread in his hand and attempted to scoop peanut butter straight from the jar. The bread tore apart. I'm going to run in and buy some apples, I said. Then we can try to find downtown. In my hand, I held a piece of paper that contained all of our essential phone numbers, every contact our band had to get us through this tour. I folded the paper and put it back in my wallet. We had never been to Denver, but by looking at a map, we found the college and correctly guessed where the young people hung out. At least, I think we were on the strip. There was a bookstore, a large venue, and a couple of coffee shops. It was Sunday afternoon. We got out of our car and wandered around, waiting for some time to pass before I called the promoter again. Eventually, I tried a payphone outside the coffee shop. There was no answer. We wandered down to the bookstore. Hey, I said, looking at a poster in the bookstore's window. I'm friends with these guys. I pointed at one of the bands named on the flyer. Their shows tonight. Maybe we can go. Why? Is our show canceled? asked Kyle. I don't know, just saying, in case it is. We found a park with some kind of fair slash flea market going on. A man was announcing things over a microphone, and then a Calypso band began to play. What is this, I asked. He said it's celebrating Denver's diversity. I thought everyone in Colorado was white. Kyle wandered off and looked at some goods on a table. Excuse me, said a tall man with long curly hair, can you help me out with some change? Sorry, I said, we're on the road ourselves, just getting by. You and a band, he asked, I play drums if you need a drummer. We got that, we need a show. The man stepped back and extended one of his long arms. Look, he said, they got bands right here, what kind of music do you play? Maybe they'll let you do a song or two. Check out what I found, said Kyle, stepping between me and the man who asked for change. He held up a button that read, I get it done. Oh, shit, said the voice on the other end of the telephone. I was back at the payphone in front of the coffee shop. Shit, I forgot you guys were coming. I was talking to David, a friend of a friend of a friend. He put on local shows for oddball bands around Denver, usually in small art spaces or people's houses. David and I had only spoken once before, but he said during that initial call that booking us a show in Denver wouldn't be a problem. I'm going to talk to some people, David went on. I'll figure something out. Call me back in an hour. Where are you at? I asked. We'd love it if we could come to your house and crash, if you don't mind. We drove through the night to get here. Sorry, man, I'm not in the city right now. I'll make some calls, though. Before he hung up the phone, David admitted that he'd already taken acid earlier that day. As night fell, the temperature in Denver dropped. The bookstore and coffee shops closed. We wandered the mostly empty streets. I'll try calling him again, I said. I found a house party, yelled David. Just tell him that I said you were playing and it should be cool. It's at 137 Cedar Street. It's going to be a good one. Thank you so much, I said. Are they going to have something for me to sing through, like a PA or something? Oh yeah, said David. That house is real good. We found Cedar Street on our map and headed straight over. It was in a tree-lined residential area. The houses were dark and quiet. I don't see a party, said Kyle. I can't see anything, said Matt. We got out of our car and began wandering the block, staring up people's walkways, looking at their doors for the number 137. If it was a party, wouldn't we be able to hear it? It's still early, I said. It's only 9.30. We found a house numbered 135 and then 145. In between was some kind of a barn. We passed back and forth over this spot. What are you looking for? hollered a woman from across the street. I'd seen her sitting on her steps drinking a beer and hoped we didn't catch her attention. Matt walked over. We're in a band. We're supposed to play a show somewhere around here. Do you know where 137 Cedar is? You looking for a club, she asked, because it's all houses around here. No, we're we're playing a party. They have parties around here sometimes, she said. Usually not on Sunday night, though. Sorry, I said, walking up next to Matt. We're not trying to disturb you. Uh, we're on tour from Vermont. The woman's face was difficult to make out. Her porch light glowed behind her, leaving her body in silhouette. She was blonde and a bit overweight, with a Bud Light can in her hand. I don't know, she said. I ain't not heard anything. We're 128, but the numbers kind of jump around on this street. Hey, babe, she yelled into the house. Come out here. A large man stepped outside. He was in his mid-twenties and wore a long beard on his face. You know about any parties tonight? She asked the man with the beard. These guys are in a band from Vermont. They're supposed to play around here. I don't know, said the man. We were sitting in the car, killing time, hoping some people would walk by, people who looked like they were heading to a party. Kyle had his guitar out in the back seat, picking some notes with his fingers. Should we drive into town and use that payphone again, I asked. Maybe David gave me the wrong address. David is fucked, said Kyle. Just go ask that couple if you can use their phone, Matt said. They were cool. That's kind of asking a lot. After another 15 minutes, I knocked on the couple's door. The man with the beard answered. Hey, sorry to bother you again, but I was wondering if we could use your phone. I want to call the guy who set up the show, double check the address. The man looked at me and I at him. He weighed at least twice as much as I did. Wait here, he said. I'll bring the phone out. I got a three-year-old inside. Of course, David didn't answer. Thanks anyway, I said. Where are you guys sleeping? asked the man. It was almost 10.30 by this point. Probably in our car. I used to play in a band, he said. I'm a drummer. We didn't play out of town a lot, though. He quietly looked at me for a moment, then peered back at his house. The front windows were obscured by curtains. I began to say thank you again, but the man cut me off. I've got a tent in the backyard if you guys want to sleep back there. There's more space than in your little car. That would be amazing, I said. He walked me over to the corner of the house. You got to use the side yard to get back there, though. Just lift the latch and the gate will open. No one can come in and use the bathroom or come inside for any reason. I got my kid in here. Yeah, that's no problem at all, I said. My name's Jim, he said. My wife's Lana. I'm Fletcher. It wasn't a big tent, just a plaything for his child, I assume. But Kyle and I fit inside nicely, and Matt went to sleep in the back of the car. As we were getting settled, I heard a door open. Hey guys, it's me, Jim. I'm coming out. I poked my head out of the tent. You guys want a beer? He had four Bud Lights in his hand. Yeah, I said. Cool. Where's the other guy? Jim asked, peeking in the tent. Where's the other guy? Jim asked, peeking in the tent. He went to the car. The back seat's comfortable if you're alone. After two beers, we were standing in Jim's kitchen. It was a pretty big mess. Dirty dishes filled the sink, and empty cardboard boxes were piled on the floor in front of the trash can. Hey man, just be really quiet, okay? Lana and the kid are asleep. Here's the bathroom. Jim opened a door and Kyle went in. I got some vodka if you want. I'm good, I said, but I'll take another beer if you have one. Yeah, man. Jim handed me a fresh Bud Light and kept working on the one he already had in his hand. It's cool that you guys are really doing it, I'm going on the road, said Jim. He took my empty beer can and put it in the sink. I wish I got to go on tour. Now I got the kid, you know? Well, that's another kind of adventure, I said. You want to see a picture? He lifted a magnet, removed a photograph from the door of his refrigerator. I took a peek, then Kyle came out of the bathroom, and I went in. Okay, guys, Jim said when I was done. I gotta work in the morning, so I'm gonna lock you out now. You can't come back in. We're fine, I said. Thanks again. I cheers, Jim, and then Kyle and I walked outside. Sorry your show didn't work out, Jim said from the door. If you ever come back to Denver and you need a drummer, look me up. Well, I said... I guess we got a couple drummers in Denver now. Jim nodded as if this made sense to him and locked the door behind us. Kyle and I woke early. Sunlight enveloped our tent, causing the cool air to turn humid. We rolled up our sleeping bags and exited through the same side yard Jim had shown me the night before. Cautiously, looking back at Jim's house, I peed behind a bush. Matt was still asleep, so we let him rest as we looked at our map and pointed the car towards Omaha. We hoped for a better show that night. Little did we know, things were only getting worse. A simple tour story from the second tour I ever went on. And the first and only tour for my old band, The Curl. There's more stories about The Curl in the Season 2 bonus episode, for those of you who get that. This season, I'm asking for financial support from you listeners. It's up to you what you want to give. It's a five-episode season, so I think $5 sounds fair. But for those of you who give $10 or more, you will receive a bonus podcast episode as well as a 30-song album of outtakes and rarities from my musical catalog. The money can be sent to me directly through Venmo. My Venmo is at Fletcher C. Johnson. Or you can send it to me through PayPal. My PayPal is Fletcher C. Johnson at gmail.com. For those of you who give $10 or more, please include your email address with the payment so I can send you that bonus stuff. Uh, how about that peeking in the tent song? I was editing voiceover very, very stoned, which is not something I usually do because, I mean, I think we can all agree that listening to the sound of our own voice is excruciating. But that pain only escalates when I'm high. I become even more judgmental of the sound of my voice, so I don't usually do it. But anyway, on this occasion, I'd been editing voiceover already for like 10 hours that day. And I got high and I tried to do like another hour of editing. But I heard that peeking in the tent line. And it just sounded like a sample to me. In my stoned brain, it made sense. So I pulled out this uh, little Casio sampler keyboard thing that I have. At, and I recorded that stupid song that night. I put it in the episode and... And I was laughing so hard and I didn't plan on leaving it in, but then I just said, fuck it. And now there it is. What to say about this episode? I spent about seven years of my life touring pretty regularly. I got piles of crazy stories, largely due to the fact that my bands have never made enough money on the road to afford a hotel room like ever. So after the show, we're always just crashing in some weird place either with one of the bands we played with that night or just at, like, a random audience member's house. Plenty of crazy shit happened. I mean, for the people we're staying with, it's like every night is Saturday night. Like, the night of the show is probably their big party night that they set aside for the whole week, and they're ready for you to rage with them. Uh, Then you wake up, and the next day you drive to another city, and then it's party night all over again. But also tour is super monotonous, like lots of sitting around in your gross vehicle, lots of sitting in gross venues, waiting for the sun to go down so it'll look a little less gross inside. And like every other job, you just largely do the same thing every single day. If I was going to write a book about touring, it would start off with a story like this one. I wanted to show the monotony before I showed the insanity. And I was just trying to think of something interesting that happened on tour that could exemplify this feeling. In the end, kind of nothing happens in this story. And that's what tour feels like a lot of the time. Like, a lot of nothing. I'm trying to paint a portrait of this really low level of touring. Musicians with a dream, but not with much success. Like, I've never gone on a tour that didn't lose money. So basically, I spent most of my adult life working a day job so I could spend all of my savings trying to play music for people. It's a very specific artistic endeavor in a very specific subgenre of music in a very specific level of success. And I'm trying to figure out how I can write this. How can I show this in my writing? And this is where I decided to start. Basically, I'm trying to write stories that everyone can relate to, but that are also about this very specific subculture i was in and still am in and but i don't i just i don't want to describe the. i want to describe the culture as little as possible because that's just my writing style like i like to keep it moving full speed i never describe anything that i don't have to sorry this is just me mumbling about writing now but all i'm saying is that there'll be some crazy tour stories in the future. Thanks again to anyone who told a friend about the show or posted something about it on social media. That's the only way this podcast is getting out to anyone who doesn't already know about it. So, please keep spreading the word. It's such a huge help. I can't even begin to tell you how big it is. Next week is the season 2 finale and also my favorite episode from the season. It's about all the STDs that I've ever had. You've been listening to listening to Fletcher C. Johnson. I'm Fletcher C. Johnson. Thanks for listening.